Merry Christmas. Hey, my name's Tim, and uh, if, if you're a guest here, if you're new, I um, just want to welcome you here. It is, uh, it's great to be here together on, on Christmas Eve. I don't know if you feel this, but the, just the rhythm of this season has felt uh, off to me, um, having Christmas Eve be on a Sunday, uh, and maybe that's just because I'm a pastor, and so if you have felt none of that, that's totally understandable, uh, but it is really good to be here gathered together. If, if, if you're here and you're not normally in this room on a Sunday, I just want to say an extra special thank you for being here. Um, if you came of your own accord, uh, even more thanks. If, if you were negotiated here in some way, uh, if you had to make a trade of opening presents early or a promise of food or going out, whatever it was, um, I really hope that this is not just not not just a painless experience, but it's a it's a good experience spending an hour here together with a bunch of people in a room that you're not normally in on, on Sundays. And so it's just good, good to be with you. Welcome. Glad that you're here. Um, I, I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love what it's about. Uh, uh, for me, it's all about Jesus. The songs that, that we've just sung that you've been invited to sing together point us to Jesus. Um, and so that's why this is a, a, a great time for me. It, it took me a while to get there. Um, when I was a kid, it was not about Jesus. It was about me um, placing an order uh, for things that I wanted and then anticipating unwrapping those things in a under a tree on Christmas morning. Um, maybe that was not your experience, um, or that's just filled with, with disappointment, or maybe you've ever, always gotten everything you've wanted, and, and man, I wish I was you. Um, but Christmas uh, t now, and for me and for my family, and the reason that it's so important, and I look forward to it, and I love everything about it, is, is because of, of Jesus. And um, so I want to talk about Jesus for a few moments, um, but maybe in a, in a slightly different way that, than, than you've heard before. I do want to read some very familiar lines from the Bible. Um, this time of year uh, is, a, is, is really, one, one of the things that I find interesting is the Christmas season, the world over, most of the world does something different. Again, it's not all about Jesus, but it is a lot about uh, buying stuff, ordering things, uh, making sure it gets delivered on time, sending letters or messages or gifts to other people we care about, decorating all different sorts of things. And so even traveling around the world, this is, it's a weird time of unity because we're all doing something, decorating something around this season. And yet it's also disunity in that, that people are doing this for different reasons, have different faiths, different beliefs, different values, different hopes, different dreams for what this time of year is. And so I want to look to a few sentences in the Bible that talk about Jesus and why Christmas is about Jesus according to, to the Bible. So if, if we can do this together, and some of it will be very familiar, you've heard these before, uh, but then I wanna look at one sentence in particular and just look at a couple words in that sentence if we could do that just for a few moments. So um, these, uh, these verses might sound familiar to you. I was reminded from a friend that they were uh, a part of a Charlie Brown, if you know what that is, but um, they're heard partly connected to scripture and partly it's just in our culture in some way. And, and whether you understand the history or the meaning of these words, this is the story according to the Bible of the very, 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 very first Christmas. It says this in Luke chapter two, verse one. In the, those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. Again, that might start to sound familiar. Uh, the very first Christmas happened in some reason because there was a government policy to, to do something, which is kind of interesting. You can think about that later if you want. Verse 4 says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, 
the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And then here it is. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That's where we get the picture of a stable or a farm or a side area, not, in, not like a farm, like a Airbnb farm that some of us have booked and it's been luxurious. This is a farm that there's hay on the ground and it smells bad and they're kind of got a bedroll to the side because there's no room for them anywhere else. And if you can imagine being a woman who's about to give birth to a, a man you're engaged to but not yet married to and giving birth in that setting and then placing your firstborn special child in a manger. That's where we get this scene from is Luke chapter 2. The next verse says this, whole different scene happening at the same time, but a different place in the city, in the village, in Bethlehem. And outside outskirts of Bethlehem, there was shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And because they were terrified, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, which is what angels often say. That's, if you read the Bible and if you read through scripture, when there's an angel that shows up, often the first time they say is, don't be afraid. And we've done a great job of domesticating angels, right? Because we think angels are fun and cute and lovely to have around. And yet, angel is a messenger from heaven. And we don't know a lot about heaven. We long to be there. It's perfect. We want more of it here. But when heaven sends messengers, they're mighty and glorious and overwhelming in some way. And so when an angel shows up to deliver a message, which is their job, they intimidate people, even rough shepherds that are used to being outdoors and awake through the night guarding their sheep from other animals. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. It's a common message from, from heaven. When heaven shows up, don't be afraid. There's hope and goodness coming. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And shepherds outside hearing from angels, we're scared. Okay, now we're going to really work on not being afraid. And you bringing us good news that was going to cause great joy. And it's going to be not just for us, but for everyone. And in the very next sentence, there's three words that explain why Jesus being born is good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Listen to this sentence. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Maybe that's uh, very familiar to you. Maybe you've, you've heard that before. Maybe you haven't. And it's it's first time you're hearing that or even imagining what that scene is. And maybe you've seen a nativity scene before that tries to capture both those scenes and put them in one place. And then fast forward also and bring in some wise guys that are there to deliver gifts. And it's all kind of squished in this little scene with a, a few figurines or people or however it's artistically displayed. But in this one sentence, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord gives all that we need to know why this is a special day and a special time of year and why it's all about Jesus. So three words, just, just real quick. The first word, it's today. The, the angel says to the shepherds, today, in this moment, in this 24-hour period, this moment in history is today. It, it emphasizes this happening right now. So think with me just for a moment. The people, not that you know, 
but people who are celebrated throughout culture. Uh, think of your calendar, and um, there are certain dates on your calendar, whether you can control it or not, or figure out how it got on there. On your screen, or on your computer, on your phone, your calendar, there's things that are put on there that you seemingly can't control. At least I can't figure out how to get it off. It's like holidays and things, and some of them are, are days that point to individual people, and it's their birthday throughout history. Presidents that we celebrate, we celebrate them because of their great accomplishments where they've helped other people. But it's things that they did throughout the course of their life. And after their life is done and they've been buried, other people came along and said, yes, we want to celebrate them, acknowledge them. And so we're going to make a statue and, and in some way enhance their grave plot. And we're going to set a day on the calendar that says this was an, an important person and they did really good things. But it's the resume at the end of their life that we're celebrating. Their accomplishments of accomplishments of what they did. And we actually have the opposite in this verse. When the angel says today, he's talking about a brand new baby boy who has not done a single thing. There's no resume, there's no accomplishment, there's no influence on other people. The only person who has touched him is his mother and his soon-to-be earthly father. He's buried in very humble beginnings. It says today is born, this baby who has not yet done anything is going to bring great joy to all the people. We should acknowledge it. Our lives should change because of this. Shepherds, you should think differently about your existence because of a baby that's been born in the city a few blocks down. Go look at him. There's these uh, two kind of iconic interviewers, and maybe you'll recognize these names and maybe you won't. Um, one of them is named uh, David Letterman and uh, retired now, um, but in his peak, he was he was wildly entertaining and had a late, late night show and uh, would interview people uh, every day, multiple people every show, five days a week, did it for, I don't know, 20 plus years, was one of the best ever. David Letterman, great interviewer, very funny, sought to be entertaining, snarky, sarcastic, make his guests uncomfortable. And the other end of the spectrum maybe is another iconic interviewer named Larry King. If you've know, heard that name before, remember him, but he would interview people that were influential around the world and significant at particular moments. And um, very, very serious, black backdrop. He wore black, it was kind of pensive and, you know, really intelligent people watched that and talked about Larry King, I'm told. <laughs> David Letterman got to interview Larry King one time. And so they're both known for interviewing. Larry King is known for interviewing the, kind of the most influential global leaders of every moment. And David Letterman asked Larry King, if you could go back throughout history, nobody alive that you've ever interviewed, but back in history, throughout all of recorded human history, and you could interview one person, who would you interview? Didn't even have to think about it. Larry King said, Jesus, Jesus Christ. So... Um, David Letterman kind of caught off guard, went like, okay, did not see that coming. Um, see, Larry King is known for being uh, an atheist or agnostic. He kind of toggled back and forth. Um, in terms of his faith, Larry King made it very clearly known that he thought religion for humanity, religion particularly for his nation, our nation, the, the United States of America, he said, here people fear death, and so they have to have something to cling to to make them feel safe and secure. And so people believe different things when it comes to spirituality and faith because they need some help in fearing death. Larry King, an atheist or agnostic, he would go back and forth. When David Letterman asked him, well, um, let's see, okay, Jesus Christ, what, 
Like, what would you ask him? What would be your first question? He said, oh, easy. Were you born of a virgin? I, I really don't mean to hijack any conversations in the car ride home or tonight, but I'm going to leave that to you. But parents, when Larry King said that, he followed it up by saying, because if Jesus the Christ was born of a virgin, then that changes everything. Here's a man, highly intelligent, highly accomplished, highly influential, is drawing it all back and saying, I have these questions here that are still somewhat unanswered. So I'm gonna tell you I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic, and if I'm an agnostic, that works a lot better because I just don't know. But if I could get these questions answered, and if the answer to this particular question was, if Jesus, if you were born of a virgin, then that's miraculous and that's unlike anything that has ever happened before. And that means that everything else that was ever said about you prior to your birth on this day that the angels say is today, and everything that you said afterwards would actually have some truth to it. And if that was the case, then everything changes then you're the promised Messiah. Then you're Jesus the Christ. Then everything you said and did is true. And what changes is only Larry King's life would change, the shepherd's lives would change, history would look different. Everything pivots on this particular day. And so when the angels say today, they're saying everything changes today because God's promise in the person of Jesus has just arrived, it's happened and it's going to be happening now, all those promises are gonna be fulfilled. Today is the first word, the second word is a title for Jesus, and it says, today in the town of David, a savior, a savior has been born. Now, that's a title for Jesus, and again, if, if you've read scripture before, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that that kind of goes along with his, his persona, who he is, his resume how he understands himself, how he's inviting us to understand him as, as a savior. The Bible, up until the, the verses we just read about Jesus, all the, all the books and stories and timeline and history that go up to that, every time savior is used, it has this sense of deliverance. We understand the concept of being saved. In fact, each and every one of us has experienced a bit of salvation in some way before, haven't you? You've almost made a mess of something and somebody saved you. Some of you have literally almost stepped off of a curb into the street with a bike or a car coming and a friend or family member grabbed you and pulled you back and you said to them, thank you for saving me. You remind me of Jesus. Maybe you didn't say that part, but you like, thank you for saving me. I have a friend who is uh, retired, but has gone back to work at Walmart um, and uh, is a checkout clerk. And as people come through the line, um, she has had this experience numerous times now, and it's even happened more frequently in holiday seasons where people will be coming through the checkout line with handfuls of gift cards. And when they, when they go to buy them, it adds up to 500 or 1,000 or multiple thousands of dollars. What does that scream to you? Go ahead, say it out loud. Scam. She has learned that this is a scam. Like this person is being scammed. That what is it, they've gotten a phone call or an email or been contacted somehow and told some line about how if they don't pay off something immediately, something tragic is gonna happen in their life. Like they might, they might lose access to Hulu or something. And if they, if they don't pay this right now, and the only way to pay it is to go and get gift cards because who knows, the financial system of the whole world has shut down. And so what you need to do is go to Walmart and give gift cards. That's the only way to do it. And, I don't mean to embarrass you because we've all had somebody close in our life that we dearly love and respect who has fallen prey to this. And so my friend has learned 
now looking at other people, and let's just be honest, primarily it's been older people. And so she being an older retired person is saying, I think you're being scammed. And she's had multiple people that she's taken to her supervisor and they've come back by her station and said, thank you, you've saved me. If you're a child or if you're a kid and you've done something wrong before, whether at home or at school, and you've said, okay, I know I'm gonna get punished, there's a consequence coming. And then maybe your mom or your dad or your guardian or your teacher or somebody has gotten distracted in that very moment. And you knowing that you're gonna be in trouble and lose something or get punished or time out or something and your person gets distracted and they forget about it. And you know that feeling of like, I just got saved. I, uh, I, uh, I sat down on a plane, this was a few years ago, and uh, I was watching the other people um, come on and find their seats and get their, their, get their stuff in the overhead compartments and all this. And a, and a guy walks down and he's a, I, can, I see him come down the, the, the row and he stands out, he's a, he's a skater. Um, he's got uh, everything about him screams skater, but the key thing is, is he's got a backpack on with a skateboard tucked in between his back. I mean, you know, you, you know that it, I, I was never cool enough to pull that off, but he pulled it off really well and I watched him walk on and then kind of figured out where his skateboard was gonna fit with the backpack still attached and got it up, up on an overhead thing and then he ended up sitting right next to me. And uh, we got, during the flight, got into a conversation and eventually if that happens, you know, a question eventually comes up is you run out of stuff to talk about um, and then you get to like, what do you do, what do you do? You know, you try to delay that question as long as possible to, to sound really, you know, just interesting and intriguing human being, but then you're like, I got nothing else, so what do you do? So eventually I shared, I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, like of what? And I said, well, like of a, of a church. Oh, what kind of church? And if you've been around Mosaic anytime, my standard answer to this has been, um, I'm a part of a church that, that follows Jesus and takes the Bible seriously. That's just kind of my answer, and it gives me a chance to talk about Jesus. And he says to me, here's the thing about Jesus. Well, great, I, I'm a pastor, you're a skater, I would love to know what the thing about Jesus is. And he says, here's the thing about Jesus. He says that we have to do everything he says or if we don't, we go to hell. How many of you are like him? I, mean, I don't mean the skating part. I don't mean like skater, like you're a skater. I'm not asking how many of you are skaters. How many of you actually, that's, that's what first comes to mind. Here's the thing about Jesus. We have to do everything he tells us or he's gonna send us to hell. It was just this wonderful, perfect opportunity to say, actually, Jesus doesn't say that anywhere. That's, that's not how Jesus approaches us. He actually approaches us, he approaches us as someone who is about to get scammed. He, he, he approaches me as when I'm about to step off the curb and enter into pain. He approaches me when I've earned punishment and his mercy actually steps in the way of that. And he offers me grace in those moments. See, Jesus is a deliverer. Jesus is a, is a rescuer. Jesus, Jesus is, a, is a savior who saves us. And so it's not that we, we have to do everything he says or we're gonna go to hell. It's actually, he sees that we're incapable of earning our own way. He sees that we're incapable of living into the life that we've been designed and created for. He sees that we're incapable 
of being the people that we're invited to be on our own. And he steps in and he says, I'm going to save you from your own peril. I'm going to save you. I'm going to rescue you. It's kind of the very opposite of who you think Jesus is. The shepherds needed to hear that. My skater friend needed to hear that. I need to hear that. I don't live an existence that says, if, if I fall short at all, Jesus is out to get me and punish me. I've already fallen short. He's there to save me and to rescue me. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born. And then the very next word is to you, to you, to me. Not some point in history, not to other people, not to somebody who's worse than me, not to somebody who's better than me, but he's been born to you and to me. It's poetic, but listen to these words from, from Martin Luther. He says this. Of what benefit would it be to me if Christ had been born a thousand times and it would be daily sung into my ears in a most lovely manner if I were never to hear that he was born for me and was to be my very own. 2,000 years ago, this scene happened, and it's as present, it's as relevant, it's as needed, it's as important today as it was all those years ago. Because today, I have a savior in the person of Jesus Christ that is for me and for you and for every person who has ever lived and who every person that you've ever come into contact with and every person that you've ever cared about. That Jesus is born in lowly, humble settings for me and for you. And so would you hear this morning on Christmas Eve that Jesus is for you and Jesus is for me. He's for us. And so we've lit a candle, one, two, three, four, every week, every Sunday, counting down to this day. And we've, we've had themes and hope and peace and joy and love are the themes of Advent. And these are themes that are not just ideals that human, humanity would experience, but they're, they're ways that we're to be. They're the people that we're to be because of Jesus. And so on this day, we light a fifth candle. It's called the Christ candle. It's what brings all of these to life and gives us life. And in the very first sentences of the book of John, it says that Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness is not to overcome him. And so I wanna invite you to actually do something together. Regardless of if you're a follower of Jesus and believe in him, or maybe you're similar to Larry King and you have questions that don't have answers yet. If you join together and that we would light a candle and say this day is about Jesus and he means for us to take his light and to be the light in the world. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to light a candle and I'm going to pass it to my friend Noah who's going to join me up here. And Noah is then going to take this light that Jesus offers today and himself a savior to me and to Noah and to all of you. And we're going to pass it around the room. And then we're gonna sing. And so would you join with me as we pass this light? Noah, thanks for joining me up here. You ready? There you go. Got it, there you go. 
Noah's gonna take this and pass it to a few others and they're gonna pass it to a few others and in just a moment, we'll each have the opportunity to hold a flame that symbolizes or represents, that points us and reminds us of who Jesus is and how he came in very humble beginnings to each and every one of us because we needed him.